Welcome to the Data Scientist Podcast with Dr. Stylianos Kabakis. Dr. Kabakis is a data scientist, statistician, and blockchain expert with a mission to educate the public about the wonderful capabilities of technologies like AI, data science, and DLTs. These technologies have the potential to transform the world, the economy, and our lives. However, there is too much misinformation around tech, and so most people are just confused about what is true and what is not. Whether you are a CEO, an entrepreneur, or just an enthusiast, the Data Scientist Podcast helps you separate reality from hype. Hi, everyone. This is uh, Stelios. And today, we're having with us on the Data Scientist Podcast, we have Amanda Brock from Open UK. Welcome, Amanda. Thanks very much for having me along today. So would you like to give an introduction as to who you are, what you're working on, etc.? Sure, sure. So I'm the chief executive at Open UK. I don't know whether your guests will be able to see this or not. We're joined also by my cat, Dundee. And <laughs> uh, yeah, who's desperate to get in on the act here. Open UK is the industry organization for open technology. And that's defined as open source software, hardware, and data. And we work with the business of open technology in the UK. So we represent both organizations and individuals working in and around open technology. And we work on three pillars, community, legal and policy and learning, which I, I guess we'll talk a bit more about as we go through the discussion today. For me, I was a, a lawyer for 25 years. Yeah. Uh, for around 10 of those, I worked in open source, five with a company called Canonical. Mm -hmm who is the commercial distributor of the Ubuntu operating system, which I'm sure your audience will have heard of. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very interesting. So I know that uh, you have been working on a report called The State of Open. Yeah. Um, could you share a few more details about it? Sure. So we've, we've released phase one of State of Open on the 10th of March. Mm -hmm. And it's what we would call a literature review. So we've taken mm -hmm. some time to look at the existing reports and materials that are available in the marketplace. And for the first time, we've cut the data that they create mm -hmm. for the UK. And really, one of the things that we draw out in the report, and this is phase one, I'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. But one of the things we draw out is that the UK has for some time been one of the biggest contributors and users of open source anywhere in the world mm -hmm. and definitely the biggest in the European Union. And I think for many years our figures, our data was aggregated into the EU's and we sort of lost that mm. and in a very British way we haven't pushed ourselves forward. We've been a bit reticent about talking about it and in fact the UK is a true centre of excellence in open source mm -hmm. and it's just something that most people wouldn't think to say about us. Uh, I think we are the fifth biggest contributor in the world to CNCF, the cloud native environment. Looking at the kind of figures being used historically and bringing those up to date for a number of developers in the UK, we get to something like 126,000 developers working on open source in the UK. I have to say that with all the other stuff that we've looked at, I think that's a, a very, very conservative figure. It's likely to be 150 to 200%. Mm -hmm. that so i think we're probably looking at somewhere between 150 and 250,000 developers when we we really get into the data and update it we also look at the economic value of open mm -hmm. source 
and we use the existing formulaing calculations. We look at the reports that have been done historically by Harvard and Linux Foundation. The European Commission has a report that's yet to be published, but where they shared the formula and the, the data from that report back in February. So we were able mm-hmm. to use that and apply it to the UK. And when we use the European Commission's formula, we get up to 43 billion contribution Whoa. per annum to GDP. Whoa. Now, I think Tech Nation came out last week and said that the digital economy is worth something like 248 billion. So our 43 is a significant proportion. And remember that I actually think we're likely to end up with a figure that could be double that. So it's really clear that open source is something that we need to focus on more and more in the the UK as we look at our digital skills and our digital economy Mm -hmm. to ensure that we're making the most of it. Talking about this digital skills, digital economy and digital strategy, I know that the UK the UK government is has published various reports recently around what the strategy on various things. I was reading a couple of months ago the AI strategy. How do you evaluate the country's digital strategy in general, including obviously um, open source, but also other aspects of the digital strategy? Yeah. So the team at DCMS are working on that as we speak, and they're working on two strategies. They're working on mm-hmm. a UK digital strategy and mm-hmm. a UK data strategy. I was absolutely delighted that they engaged and came along to the events we hosted around the report launch. Mm-hmm. And we had, I think, four or five of them attending, which is brilliant. So they're very aware of this need to showcase and consider open in the, the work that they're doing. They came out, I think two weeks ago, Oliver Dowd and the minister came out with 10 initial focuses for the digital strategy. Mm -hmm. Um, Open isn't explicitly drawn out there, open source software isn't explicitly drawn out there, but I hope that we will see it being central to those 10. And they're around things like democratizing digital access, which is going to be really important. But one of the ways we will achieve many of the different goals they have It's through the transparency that open brings because inevitably that's going to bring trust. And I think post, or I was about to say post pandemic, I was getting optimistic, but you know, post (laughs) everything we've been through, I know, I know, I'm getting carried away. Maybe people will see this in 2025, they'll just be like, no, no, there's another pandemic. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) it's on the wave. Yeah, let's let's hope not, really, let's hope that's not the case. Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I I think sort of after everything that's happened in the last 12 months and everything we've seen around test and trace and the the app and the the discussions about data and people becoming more and more aware of what's been done with their data, I think it's going to be really important. And I think we're going to see a lot more focus on building trust through transparency. I think I even saw Dominic Cummings tweeting about transparency. He's a bit behind (laughs) the curve, but uh, I think that was his tweet a week or so ago. That's very interesting. And something else I'd like to ask you about when we talk about open data and digital strategy, as you might know, like my primary focus is data science and AI, but I'm also doing some blockchain work. Have you investigated at all the the possibility of using blockchain for open data or data sharing? No, but we are currently pulling together a project in the energy sector where we are Mm. going to look at opening up data sets and it's very embryonic but I hope Mm -hmm. that we will have some discussion after Easter Mm. where we will begin to to share what we're doing 
and we haven't looked at that, but I will certainly put it on the discussion list. It's an okay. interesting idea. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, th I think that the blockchain does have very great potential and could be one of the very important technology in order to facilitate data sharing and open standards and standardization in terms of not only data, but also machine learning pipelines. I mean, there are other people that believe this as well, and I've done a bit of work in this area, but you know, yeah. in this space, everything is like is in flux and there's so many things together, like NFTs and, <laughs> and cryptocurrencies, etc. But yeah, it's definitely a very interesting topic. I think actually you're having some issues in that space. I, I think I saw something just last week on LinkedIn that we also have with open source, which is how you're going to have the interface mm -hmm. with the standards and the RAND patent licensing. And I think mm -hmm. it will be interesting to see those communities deal with the same issues and possibly collaborate a little bit around how we resolve that and allowing us to be open and not curtailed by patent licensing that exists mm -hmm. with RAND. So it's, I think that would be an interesting topic to pick up in the future. Yeah, it's definitely one of the issues. I mean, and there are many more other issues that need to be resolved, but it's definitely an interesting space. Something else that I wanted to ask you about is about COP26. I know that you've been doing some work around this, but maybe you'd like to first explain to our listeners yeah. what this is about, because I think most people are probably not very familiar with the just yeah. acronym. Yeah. <laughs> no, I bet they're not. COP26 is a UN-driven conference, which happens, I think, every five years and should mm -hmm. have happened last year. It didn't go ahead. It was scheduled in Glasgow in September 2020. And instead of postponing it, you know, most people were just pushing things back a little bit. It was very quickly pushed back to November 2021, mm -hmm. hosted by the UK government in Scotland with the Scottish government. And I think it will be a really big showcase for the UK. It's something where it, it, its purpose, its goal is to look at sustainability. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it takes the UN's uh, SDGs and digital goals forward in that space, in that arena every five years. And what we're going to see in November is the UK really showcasing projects. So for Open UK, we've submitted a proposal to build a digital computing or data center of the future, mm -hmm. which would be something that helps to reduce carbon emissions, mm -hmm. to remove move towards being carbon neutral, it would be edge-based, it would be 5G enabled, it would mm -hmm. run on open hardware, running open source software, and we'd open up the data. We would look at alternative energy sources and we would put the outputs back into the local district or grid. Now, we're doing that with four or five other organizations from all over the world and the UK. So it's a, a bit of a consortium we've pulled together. And we would create a blueprint that would allow urban regeneration, but which could be taken Creative Commons. And mm -hmm. the fact that we would make our output shareable and usable really aligns with the UN's goals and partnership and the UN's goals on making things open. And I think it could be a really nice project. So we've submitted that to the cabinet office who decide on the main venue, the content. And I'll tell you something that isn't public. I haven't told anybody else this publicly. They have an amazing venue in Glasgow at the Scottish Exhibition Centre, which includes an IMAX cinema. So what Whoa. we've submitted is to be in the IMAX. Nice. And if Yeah, exactly. So if we get it, we're going to make a movie and it will be the first time we've made a movie, which will be great fun. 
Nice. Yeah, it would be really nice. And we will definitely be in Glasgow because the, the whole city is going to be taken over with events. They lots and lots of different, I think the Scottish Government are hosting about 10 different venues. There's going to be lots of different organisations hosting. There's going to be fringes. I think what we will see, if it happens face-to-face in particular, but even if it's digital, I think we will see the UK tech sector really focusing on sustainability, not just those of us in open, and looking at what we can do to improve everybody's lives and environments through tech bringing that together in what could be the first big conference we all get to go to in a couple of years, right? So I think it's going to be a really exciting space. Fascinating. So let's hope you're going to get this IMAX. <laughs> yeah, I know. That'd be great, wouldn't it? An amazing opportunity. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So and uh, I have a couple more questions. What I'd like to ask you is, what do you think the UK should do in order to encourage more startup and scale-up growth around open technology. And the second one, the second question, which is very closely linked with this one, is uh, because this podcast, you know, there are many entrepreneurs who are listening to this podcast or people yeah. who want to start a new business, especially around the space of AI and data science. Is there any opportunities around this area? There must be for new businesses and what's the the first thing that comes to your mind? Obviously, these two go hand in hand because if you think there are certain areas that the UK government wants to to push more, maybe this is where some entrepreneurs would also like to focus on. I think it's a really good question. We are looking at creating more of a business focus within Open UK and we've been having lots and lots of conversations about this. There is no good reason and I'm talking from an open perspective, but I'm sure you're going to confirm this from an AIML perspective, mm-hmm. that the UK couldn't be as successful and couldn't be growing companies that, that equal or match or are in every way as well funded and as good as the ones in the Bay Area. And what mm-hmm. we've seen historically is we build these brilliant businesses and then they get sold or they move their head office to the, the US. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to really look long and hard at ourselves and work out why that is. Is it a confidence gap? Something we often talk about for women, but is it a confidence gap across the board in the Mm -hmm. UK in terms of the funders, in terms of the founders? You know, why is that? And it's something that we're really going to be working on. Mm -hmm. I suspect there is a need to help those who are creating the companies and those who are funding to look at what that's all about and whether everybody should be taking funding or not. If you're taking the funding, why you can't get it in the UK? Are they being too risk averse? Do they need more understanding of the the revenue generation? And that's going to apply to both founders and funders, right? So we really are wanting to drill down into that and help to build those skills and the understanding. At the same time, I, I think there's a need for us to be talking to government And in that discussion, looking at making sure that we have the skills, that we're developing them in the UK and that the right skills. I know from our perspective, there's a shortage of good skills around cloud. Mm. We we can't get enough developers in that space and we need to have an eye on what's coming down the line and make sure that we're constantly training people. I think we need to make sure that we have free movement post-Brexit and we need to encourage visas for skilled individuals coming into the country to support those businesses and increase them. And then I think we need to to stop and reflect on our tax system and whether there's anything that we Mm. can do to encourage those entrepreneurs not to leave and to build their businesses here. And I'm, I'm sure the stuff that we can do around that space 
I know that uh, away from open, UK government have been courting some of the big startups to IPO in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I'm expectant that we will hear of some big UK IPOs. And I think that if we can keep some of those unicorns listed here, that's going to be the trigger that we need to start that flow and to encourage more development and scale up in the UK. And I think it's really important. Yeah, that's from Open UK, actually, I should just say to you, from Open UK's perspective, we will be forming a, a founders forum mm-hmm. as an advisory group, and we are hopeful of having our first entrepreneur in residence after Easter. Oh, that's very interesting. I'd like to know more about this. Maybe you'd like to share some more details with our listeners as well. I'd love to, but I can't. (laughs) It's brand, brand new and we're getting ready to announce. So I I hope that we can announce something probably in two weeks time. Definitely have to come back and talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah. We should definitely follow up about this. Okay, great. So thanks a lot. Any comments before we conclude? No, I think it would be really nice if we can build up more engagement with the AI and ML communities because so much of what you do is focused on and based on open and you probably don't even think about it as you're doing it. Correct, yeah. And it would be really nice to see that there are some great startups already in the UK. It would be really nice to see if we can build some more engagement and help to identify opportunities to, to collaborate more. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Many of the things that startups especially are doing are based around open technology. So maybe you use an open source library on an open source operating system with open data in order to test uh, a new product, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think you're building it on open source software. But as you rightly say there, the open data is going to be really important for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so, so I think basically being open provides more more opportunities for experimentation. I mean, something which I've noticed, unfortunately, around open data is that quite often they're not of very good quality, but this is largely a problem with data in general, which carries over to some open initiatives. For example, I've been recently going through London's data bank and going literally through each one of the of the files and trying to analyze them. It's for a particular piece of software that me and some business partners are working on an augmented analytics platform. And unfortunately, many of the data sets as they are, they're not very valuable or they you, know, you can't really make something out of them. And it, it, it's just really unfortunate. And I personally believe a lot in open standards as well for things like data. But now, yes. like making an announcement about, yeah, that's a great standard, and then actually people following this standard. You know, <laughs> I think you've hit the nail on the head there. And it's one of the things that we have been pushing government on is not just the the three opens, but the open standards are pervasive and that they cross everything. And we really need to look at what we're doing with standards because it is going to be critical to all the digital development. Mm -hmm. So I I think that is a really important piece and it's one that will apply in all technology. Mm -hmm. Very, very good point. Yes, absolutely. Great. Well, thanks a lot. So where can our listeners find more about you? Yeah, so you can see us at openuk.uk. Our website is pretty expansive and we'll take you through a user journey where you can see what we're doing and how you get involved. We are on LinkedIn, but we tend to hang out on Twitter at openuk underscore UK or at Amanda Brock UK. Lots of UKs going on there, but that's where we are and what we're doing. (laughs) So it'd be really great to engage with more of your audience. Thank you very much for having me today. Well, thanks for being here. It was a great conversation. 
So thanks everyone for listening to this podcast and we hope to see you again soon on some other of our episodes. Make sure to visit thedatascientist.com for more content around AI, data science, and blockchain. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Make sure to visit thedatascientist.com for more content about data science, AI, and blockchain.